Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Biro. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I am a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Solis. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Krupus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Positive Statistics. I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, blogtalkradio.com. Shift. I want to welcome everybody that's listening to and also watching us live on both of these places. I hope, by the way, for those of you that are watching me on VidChat, I hope you enjoy my little uh, tribute behind me to Monty Python. Let me see if I can move out of the way here so you guys can see it. Of course, uh, anybody that calls themselves a geek has to know what that is. It's 
of course, uh, still from the very famous Monty Python skit of the Spanish Inquisition, because as you know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Anyway, I'm not going to even try to butcher it because I'll butcher the whole clip. So anyway, I hope everybody had a nice uh, Thanksgiving holiday and uh, uh, got to eat lots of turkey, got to hang with family. Um, I know, of course, a group of people that did not have a nice Thanksgiving holiday, and that is the people at Standing Rock. So, yeah, you knew I was going to go there. Come on. Uh, I will be um, talking about this later. Normally, I do not. uh, Well, no, I have been actually talking about this. And uh, finally, finally, uh, the news is actually starting to um, discuss this, you know. So hopefully we'll start seeing some kind of, um, I don't know. Something good coming of this for the for the tribes. Um, just really quick, you know, for those of you that that do not know what's going on, uh, there are demonstrators and protesters that are uh, protesting the construction of a crude oil pop pipeline near the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation in North Dakota. They've created like a, I guess you want to call it a free speech zone. Well, the Army Corps of Engineers. Um, Basically, or excuse me, the local authorities, I said that incorrectly, have been doing everything in their power to stop the protesters and make it so that, you know, they just get out of there and just go go on and and do the pipeline. And, you know, what's really what's really amazing about this, there's so many things that is amazing um, is that these people have been through hell after so centuries of oppression. And now it's like, Oh, here's a little bit more oppression for you. Cause you haven't had enough uh, obviously already. And you know, enough is enough. Quite frankly, enough is enough. There, a lot of my colleagues have gone down or over there rather to uh, stand with the tribes, and you know I want I want to make sure the listeners and viewers understand something. Tribes don't just come together, you know. It doesn't just the unity that is involved, the kind of you know unifying that is involved in all these tribes to actually come together on something is not something that just you know, happens. I mean, you really, there has to be a a really, really serious threat to their way of life for something like that to happen. Because, you know, quite frankly, these tribes have differing beliefs, uh, not just spiritual, but political, ethical, moral. I mean, and, and a lot of times, you know, look, these are groups of people that history doesn't just die for them. Okay. You know, things that happen centuries ago are still very alive for them. Even in the generations now, you know, you might say, well, wait a minute, what are these young kids thinking about? Because they weren't around back then. They don't know anything about what's happening back then. Well, actually you're very wrong. If you think that, you know, it's not like most of us that our stories are passed down to us and we just, Oh, okay, fine. You know, my, uh, I'm I'm saying this for an example's sake. You know, my dad was in the military, okay? Or my grandfather, my great-grandfather, or my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was in the revolution. Yay. You know, it's not like that. For these people, their history is such a vivid and integral part of their culture that it's like it is alive right now for them. When I, uh, those of you that, that know me know that I wrote a uh, a novel called Sword of the Spirit, which is uh, the sequel to uh, Sword of the Heart, which was written in 2003. And in Sword of the Spirit, my main character, Sen He, is actually um, – she's in San Francisco, and you know, through a, through a whole bunch of series of events, she is put under the care of an army captain. And of course she hates this guy and whatever. And 
uh, it's just kind of like a, a, a tense rivalry thing going on between her and this guy. Well, at any rate, the I don't want to say the bad guy, but the antagonist in the story is a very misguided uh, Native American chief, an elder. And what ends up happening is that the elder, the Native American elder, ends up joining with the dark forces – to in order to destroy the the white man's hold on his land. And you know, there's a lot of different ways you can you can look at the story that I wrote. I mean, you know, you can look at it as oh, it's just a typical cowboys and Indians thing, but it's really that's not why I wrote it. I wanted to show that the the threat that the that the American culture that we pose to these people was so grave, was so serious, and was so striking that I wouldn't have been surprised if somebody would have done something like what this man did. You know, now I'm not going to tell you what happened at the end. You can buy the book if you want yourself and find out. Go to Amazon.com, look up Sword of the Spirit with my name, and uh, look it up yourself and read it, and hopefully you enjoy it. Anyway, um, Getting back to this story, though, with um, with Standing Rock, um, you know, it's it, I I really I don't even know how this is going to end. Um, I just really, really hope that it ends peacefully. Although, you know, lately it hasn't. I mean, there's been you know, violence from the military or rather from the law enforcement. Um, I was, I was really pleased to see some veterans that came out in support of the tribal members. Um, And, you know, those of you that say, Oh, well, what, how much harm could a pipeline really cause? Well, this fight is more, is about more than just the water. Okay. The Missouri is the longest river in the U S. Okay, joins the Mississippi at St. Louis. Okay, any pollution that's caused by a spill from this DAPL, the Dakota Access Pipeline, on its current route would impact the reservation first, but it would also continue downstream all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, and that could impact a ton of agriculture and residents at the center of the country. I mean, you know. It doesn't just affect one group. It'll affect a lot more people. I mean, I remember when Deepwater Horizon, when that oil spill happened, and how many people in my own state of Florida were affected. I mean, we still have companies now that are that they can't even open anymore. They had they had to relocate, and you know that that is not an easy thing to do. So. And it's not just that, it's it's about their rights to have their land. I mean, you know, people are saying, oh, well, it's not really, you know, it's not on their land. It's, yeah, well, actually, they found, they found artifacts, and I believe they found some remains on the land that the pipeline is said to be going on. So that right there says, that right there should be enough, okay? And um, fine, you know, it, it took quite a long time. Uh, before the mainstream media, lamestream media really, uh, came aboard and brought this, you know, gave it the importance that it really should have been given. You know, until then, Unicorn Riot was one of the only, I don't even want to call them underground because to me, they're one of the only real news people out there. And, and you know, it's funny, guys, because normally I don't, I don't really agree with a lot of the anarchist movement, okay? But you know what? This should, this isn't about anarchy. This isn't about you know liberals or conservatives or this is about human rights. And these people have a right to fresh water and clean and pure water. And if they don't want this pipeline because it's going to affect their livelihood, there it should not be an issue. Okay, I mean the fact of the matter is the pipeline was going to be built in this suburban community. That sorry, but it's true was mostly white and guess what the residents of that community had an uproar and oh just like that it was moved 
to this current trajectory, which is going to put it right above um, the uh, the Standing Rock, uh, you know, reservation land. So, but now here comes these the tribe people, tribal people, protesting the pipeline. You think that the the authorities are going to be that quick to move it? Yeah, I don't think so. So that's kind of what a, a very short. Uh, gist of what's happening and I mean <sighs> there's even more things that's happening you know I mean there's terrible terrible the officials are going to close are really trying to close the campsite okay the, they're citing public safety concerns and federal officials plan to close access to a campsite where demonstrators have protested the construction of, of Zappel the Army Corps of Engineers that's what I was saying earlier uh, sent a letter to the chairman of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, who is Dave Archambault II, uh, said that the decision had been made to, quote, protect the general public from the violent confrontations between protesters and law enforcement officials that have occurred in this area. And, you know, Mr. Archambault, in a statement, said they were deeply disappointed by the decision. Quoting him, it is both unfortunate and disrespectful that this announcement comes the day after this country celebrates Thanksgiving which is supposed to be a historic exchange between Native Americans and the first immigrants from Europe. Although the news is saddening, it is not all surprising given the last 500 years of mistreatment of our people. So the authorities are going to close the area north of the Cannonball River, including the Oseti Sakowin, and I please forgive me that I'm mispronouncing that camp, which is about 40 miles south of Bismarck, where uh, they've been gathering, you know, and... I mean, th this is unbelievable. I, I really, <laughs> I, I don't know what else they can do. I mean, they're pushing these people so much, and I would not be surprised if something really big happens. I hope it doesn't. I pray so hard that it doesn't. But these, you know, this is serious for these people. This, that land is their life. I mean, let me ask you guys something. What would you do if your house was just taken from you? Would you just sit there and let it happen? I mean, would you just let the government take it? Something to think about. Speaking of the government, since winning the presidential election, our... Ah... <laughs> uh, Oh, my gosh. President-elect Donald Trump has reportedly skipped out on the majority of his intelligence briefings. This uh, past Sunday, Mr. Trump, President-elect Trump, whatever, made headlines after sharing false information, blaming his loss of the popular vote on mass voter fraud, a claim previously reported by the conspiracy news site InfoWars. It's been widely reported that uh, Trump is an obsessive consumer of cable news. In fact, he himself has admitted to receiving at least a portion of his military advice from, quote, the shows. But you know what? All that aside, a lot – very little is known about where he actually finds his news. Well, there's a website that actually discovered they think they know where President-elect Trump gets his news from. Now, um, this is from BuzzFeed, okay? They – um. What they say is that they, what they know of his relationship to the modern internet suggests that he rarely browses it himself. Okay, Trump campaign press secretary Hope Hicks told a magazine that Trump relies largely on Google News printouts from staffers and very rarely reads his own email. Uh, in a 2007 deposition, it suggested that Trump doesn't use a computer or carry a smartphone during the daytime hours and often dictates daytime tweets to his assistant so all of you guys that are like blasting insults at him and trolling him you're not actually trolling trump you're trolling his assistant so i don't know maybe that'll what that'll do for you now you know let's face it this is the first real president that we're we've had that has had this type of um interaction with the American public via social media. And quite frankly, I think it's just going to get worse or better, depending on how you look at it from here. And I don't just mean with this 
guy. I mean with this president. I mean with future presidents as well. I think with each president we get, I think we're going to start seeing more and more and more and more and more infusion of the presidency and really most political offices and social media. So that's just something to think about. So that's interesting that they came up with that. That tells me a lot. I mean, if somebody's, you know, giving him the news, how he interprets it, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever played the game telephone when you were kids. I'm sure you have, uh, you know, where somebody tells somebody the, uh, something. And then by the time it gets all the way down to the end, excuse me, it's uh, the elephant wears pajamas. And the real story was, you know, uh, you know, I had sex with your mom kind of thing. <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around. So I don't know if any one of you guys have been, uh, speaking of still the same subject, have been watching the news about Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, uh, asking for a recount. Well, a Pennsylvania court on Saturday accepted the Green Party's request to end its case seeking a statewide recount. And basically, that's it. You know, I mean... Uh, basically, everyone expected Jill, Counts, Jill Stein's recount efforts. I mean, and the reality, though, is that the election, was, the results are not going to change, okay? It's just not. I know a lot of you want them to change, including myself, but it's just not going to happen. And look, I know a lot of you out there that are very good friends of mine and are family members, maybe you're shocked that I, you know, not a fan of this person, but really, first of all, you shouldn't be. Second of all, that shouldn't matter. I mean, I don't really care whether you're a fan of him or not. I, I like you no matter who you're a fan of, really. I'm, I don't base my feelings over somebody on what their political point of view is. If you do, well, you know, more power to you. And I guess I'll probably never hear from you again, but, um, you know, I have my own reasons on how I feel and I'm just going to leave it at that. So um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting to share with you guys. So, and what about, you know, <laughs> what about how, you know, this is just like going into really weird territory here, but then again, that's what we do here. You know how people sometimes see the faces of saints and Jesus in all kinds of stuff, including, don't ask me why, grilled cheese, sandwiches, and cookies. And, well, you know what? President-elect Trump is now in that divine category because a woman in southern England was slicing up a red bell pepper. Did you guys see this story? And she spotted what she said was the image of President-elect Donald Trump screaming at her. I'm not, you know what? I'm gonna send this to you guys on on our on our Twitter feed. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right now. Here we go. <laughs> I just oops, wrong one. Here we go. Twitter. And by the way, for those of you that want to follow us on Twitter, um, we are on uh, Emmy Shift Show. That's E M I S H I F T. S-H-O-W. So I'm, I'm tweeting it now. Um, there, I just did it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting is that she was quoted as saying a discussion about Trump and the state of the world was going on while the vegetable was being sliced up. So, I mean, obviously, this poor red bell pepper was saying, oh, my God, enough of this crap. I don't want to take this anymore. Like, like, sad, sad sad and that's it i mean now if you look at this pepper i must say yeah it really does look like trump although they've got the color of the hair wrong it's and this one it's green because of the stem on the pepper when in actuality it should be orange although the orangish tint around the red orange tint around the pepper that is actually rather accurate so that's pretty awesome <laughs> so after getting over the initial shock the woman said she continued chopping up the pepper and adding it to the vegetable chili she was cooking at home in Portsmouth. Quote, we ate it for dinner and suffered no ill effects from the Trump supper. Oh, my goodness. At least she doesn't think that, um, you know, it's it may, maybe something else is going to happen. Who knows? I hope not. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> Watch out for those peppers. By the way, if you guys want to call in, those of you that are just watching the show and just tuning in, not only you can um, you can get in touch with us via bidchat.com slash graveyard shift. You can bid to chat with me and tell me, as you know, part of the show is that you can actually share your paranormal experiences with me. Uh, have you have you seen a UFO lately? Do you know anybody that's seen a UFO or that has been abducted? Have you heard news of it? What kind of weird creatures are in your area? We are especially interested in cryptids on this show. That's been a very popular subject. So do you know of any weird creatures in your area that you would like to talk to us about? Um, do you know of any ghostly haunted places? Please call in. We would love to see hear about you. Now, if you don't want your face to be seen and you want to just talk to us, then you can do that as well. We can be reached at area code 347-237-5187. That's area code 347-237-517. I rarely seriously doubt we'll get any phone calls or bids because that hasn't been happening. Cause I don't know. I guess nobody's brave enough to, to face me, I suppose. Oh, well, uh, by the way, I want to, while I'm talking about that, I want to welcome all of our new fans on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook um, fan page. If you go on Facebook and look up the Graveyard Shift, you'll find us in there. It'll it'll give you the, the details. I also have my own Facebook page, Emilio Emmy uh, Diaz, or you can find me on my fan page, Emilio Diaz Fandom. Um, I really would like to change that because it sounds kind of egocentric. But I don't know how. I'm trying to change it. It won't change, but whatever. If you guys want to look me up there and connect with me, go for it. I am always willing to support independent uh, artists of all kinds, no matter where you're from. I know I always say, oh, I support Tampa artists, but I am not exclusively just Tampa artists. I mean, yeah, of course I'm supporting Tampa artists because that's where I live. But listen, if you're trying to make it in the business and you, you know, you want – to promote your stuff. I am very open for that. I, you got to You have music, go for it and send it to me. All you have to do is go on Facebook, send me a YouTube link, send me a SoundCloud or Spotify, whatever, whatever, however you, however you broadcast or promote or publish yourself, go ahead. If you're, are you a writer? I'll, I'll put links of your books up. I'm just, I'm very, uh, I like supporting, uh, local artist or you know what i mean artists all right so do you live in london you know uh, are you into <laughs> robots well apparently there's i can't even get through this article without laughing there is a uh, cafe opening in london that is being staffed by robots and these robots uh, these robots actually uh, have a very, uh, very quirky, uh, very quirky job. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go on break real quick. And when I get back, I am going to uh, continue this story. So I'm going to keep you in suspense. So just hang in there and uh, let me see if I can find this bumper. Here it is. And uh, I will uh, I will be right back, guys, after this. Put your warm speed on hold, Graveyard Shift fan. Our illustrious host, Emmy. Why the hell does he always say that word, illustrious? We'll be right back after this break with more shifty, yeah, like shitty awesomeness. I can't believe this guy. Who the hell does he think he is? Um, no. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back.
Broadcasting live from a war-torn battlefield. From atop a 200-foot-tall, last-of-its-kind woolly mammoth. Driving a bunch of drunk zombies on their way to an all-you-can-eat super flesh buffet. Teaching a cat how to speak fluent Klingon. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. And now, just finished from sucker-punching your country's ruthless dictator. Because... He's just that damn cool. Here's your illustrious host, Abby. All right, welcome back, gang, to the Graveyard Shift Talks. This is season seven, episode five. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, <laughs> I love that. God, I love Monty Python. Who doesn't? I mean, come on, Monty Python's the best. So before the break, I talked about robots in a cafe. But before I do that, I want to talk about this other dining establishment that's local that is awesome. Uh, of course, those of you know, I did an episode a few, I think it was one or two weeks ago, over uh, where I broadcasted on location at Cayman Cove, from, uh, based out of Carrollwood, where uh, my very good friend Ralph of MVP, the MVP Vibe Productions, was doing his Saturday Night Laughs um, stand-up comedy series there, and I mean that was a that was off the chain, man. It was awesome, it really was. And of course, the owner of the bar, uh, Scott. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. So if you ever go down there, please, you know, give us a shout out. Say, hey, you know, the Graveyard Shift sent me. Uh, it would be nice to know that our fans are going over there and, you know, supporting uh, local uh, businesses and whatnot. So, okay. As I was saying, cafes, you're in London. There is a businessman in London who's also in the sex industry. And he, um, <laughs> Uh, basically, <laughs> um, he's opening up a blowjob bar. Is basically no, I'm not kidding. This is what is happening. The idea is okay that a guy can come in and order a cup of Joe and an escort. So uh, there's only one difference. Escorts are not real people; they're robots. So if you want snoo snoo from a metallic woman, the cafe, <laughs> because they're robots, it's not illegal, right? Um, and he, ex- he intends on expanding very aggressively in countries with less permissive sex work legislation. The cafe is going to be open from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. because, hey, man, if you want your, uh, you know, your chick McMuffin or <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot read this straight. You can have your coffee and sex and be eaten out too. Oh, I just went there. I just went there. I'm sorry. I just went there. Oh, boy. Um, You know, (laughs) if you want to know where it is, I'm trying, I'm I'm looking for it right now. Let me see. Apparently they don't have an address yet, but, um, he says that he would like to open it in Paddington. Oh, poor Paddington Bear. Oh my god. Anyway, if you're in London, I don't know, you I'm sure you'll hear news about it, look it up and um if any of you are interested what robots they're going to use, it's uh, apparently they're going to go through a company called My Silicon Love Doll. Do <laughs> it. Oh, this is going to be fantastic, I tell you. Oh, I love it. God, I love London. You guys are awesome over there. So from London to Egypt, there is an Egyptian man, Mohammed Hagras, who has a beard made out of bees, okay? And um, to attract them, to attract the insects, he has a box housing their queen's hormones strapped to his chin. Now, the engineer-turned-beekeeper has been doing this for years, both competitively. uh, In fact, he was reported as uh, recalling a Canadian model's bikini of bees at a beekeeping event, and also as an effort to educate Egyptians on the usefulness of bees. Quote, the goal is to show that bees are not aggressive, he told a local news service at his farm in Shibin el-Kom, the capital of the Nile Delta province of Minofia. On the contrary, they are helpful and produce things that help humans and agriculture. Hagras extracts hormones from queen bees after they die, uses them to attract bees from the same hive to perform his show. 
He uses the same technique to perform new hives. And he basically uses this beard of bees at contests and exhibitions where like-minded people try to break world records. I can just imagine this, this event where you have all these people with different weird stuff on them. So you have this guy with a beard of bees, and then you have this lady with a, a potato that looks like a duck. No, no, no. I, I kid you not. I am looking at a picture of a woman holding up a potato that looks like a duck. I mean, what? What? I mean, uh, earlier we had uh, this lady who had a freaking red bell pepper that looked like Donald Trump. We've got a salad here, you know, some kind of weird salad. We got the honey from the beard, beard, bee beard guy, woman with duck potato. The hell? What is next? The Hitler kumquat? So, ah, there you have it. There you flipping have it, people. And you know what? Um, I was talking earlier about the, the, the man, you know, doing stuff. Well, I'm sure you've heard this story that police, if, if uh, in a small, you know, you think Canada is cool, right? And, oh, they're so polite. Well, guess what? If you are charged with impaired driving in this small Canadian town, you're going to hear Nickelback whether you like it or not. Oh, yeah. Police, oh, yeah. Kensington Police in the province of Prince Edward Island, they, they're using... If they're you're, if you're dumb enough to drink and drive, they 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 have the special message. When we catch you, and we will catch you on top of a hefty fine, a criminal charge, and a year's driving suspension, we will also provide you with a bonus gift of playing their office's copy of Nickelback in the cruiser on the way to jail. Wow, that's just just I. Oh, man, I feel bad for Nickelback. I really do. No, I really do. I mean, no, I'm not a fan of Nickelback, but how would you – let me ask you guys something. Those of you that are musicians out there, how would you feel if you found out that your music was being used by the police as a form of punishment? Would that – I doubt very seriously that that would make you feel very good. By the way, those of you that are just coming on right now on VidChat, uh, and I'm very happy to see so many of you, um, if you want to listen, well, I mean, you're, you're listening to the show now, but if I ever play interviews on the show, obviously you won't be able to hear them on the bid chat site. So if you, when I do that, you can open a new window and go to blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard shift. And, and actually I would like for you to do that anyway and follow me on there. Cause we could have, we could have as many listeners as we want on there. And that way, anytime the show is going to go on, you'll get notified immediately. So there you have it. And speaking of things that sink, <laughs> how there's this Chinese group, okay, that is constructing a life-size replica of the Titanic. No, really, it's being done in China's southwestern Sichuan province, and there's they've already had a killing ceremony and fireworks to mark the occasion. It's part of Star Energy Investment Group's plan for a tourist resort along the Qijiang River, I hope I'm saying that right, in Sichuan Dayang country, uh, County. excuse me. It'll eventually come with a simulation of the iceberg collision that sank the original ship in the Atlantic Ocean on April 5th, 1912. And of course, you know, there's going to be uh, an added, um, you know, part where you can, you know, hold on to Jack in the, in the, uh, the floating part of the boat while he's sinking. No, no, really, no, I'm, just, I'm joking. That's Hollywood production designer and producer Curtis Schnell, who was working on the project as their Titanic design expert, said, despite criticism online, um, they recognized the venture in a very respectful way. Uh, quote, we're trying to get as close as we can. We're not building every room in the ship by any means, but the shell of the ship and the exteriors will be quite accurate. And basically, they're, they're, the new resort will also feature a man-made beach, a 6D movie theater, and replicas of a Venetian church and European castle. So I'm sure we'll hear more about it uh, when it comes up. So uh, we, oh, wow, we're really getting close to the end here. Uh, normally, um, I use this uh, time to uh, discuss comic book news, but I guess we'll go on another break real quick. And then when we get back, I'll shift gears to the uh, pop culture geek um, you know, whatever genre. So stay tuned. Once again, phone lines are open. Bid lines are open. Nobody's been brave enough yet. Doubt very seriously anybody will. 
But if you do plan on bidding, how awesome is that? Maybe I will even give you a prize. Who knows? I'll be right back on the Graveyard Shift. I come in, Houston. This is Apollo X. This is Apollo X. Request special permission to dock with the station. Uh, Roger, Apollo. You are go for station dock. Welcome aboard, Shifties. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Broadcasting live on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift. Follow us at hashtag Emmy Shift Show. For our Twitter feed, stay punched in. We'll be back. Today, during this PlayStation experience, the first game in the series since 2011, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, will arrive late next year on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows PC. Character details scant, but the teaser trailer, and I saw you can actually, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or most anywhere on the internet, suggests Capcom favorites may face off not against classic Marvel Comics heroes or their animated counterparts, but instead characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is, this is the first. Uh, so far in the trailer, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Ryu, Mega Man X have been announced thus far. Gotta tell you, the trailer looks really cool because you actually see uh, Iron Man fighting Mega Man and Ryu fighting um, uh, Captain Marvel, Carol, the Carol Danvers version. So anyway, according to PlayStation, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite will include rather a variety of single-player modes and multiplayer content and feature Infinity Stones, which, quote, can be, imp- can be implemented into player strategies as a way to influence the outcome of battle. An announcement from Marvel adds, in addition to single-player arcade training and mission modes, 
a visually stunning and immersive cinematic story mode will put players at the center of both universes as they battle for survivor survival. <laughs> I can't talk today against a sinister new threat. So there you have it for all you gaming fans out there. Speaking of games, uh, I know many of you out there are big fans of world of Warcraft and you know, I am, and uh, I've been playing Legion. In fact, my, uh, my main character, which is on Alex Straza, uh, hit level 110 recently, and I've been doing a lot of the world quests and trying to get some mounts. I still haven't gotten that Lothian Prowler, that little fox mount that's very popular, but I'm hoping to get it sometime soon. Would love to hear some of what you guys have to say about that and what you, how far have you gotten? Do you guys like Legion? Uh, I believe the overwhelming majority of players are over the moon for Legion. So I've been I've really been interested in this uh, the Illidan Storm Rage quest line that I, that you know once once you hit 110 you start getting these these world quests about Illidan Storm Rage. I think in the end there's going to be some kind of connection between the Legion the main Legion storyline and Illidan. Uh, uh, I think maybe either um, Sargeras, which is the main bad guy, uh, I believe, uh, if I remember his name correctly. Um, I think he's trying to fuse with Storm, with Illidan's corpse to, you know, resurrect, which, man, if that happens, bad news. So, because um, I don't think anybody can defeat Sargeras except for Illidan. So um, that should be interesting. I, I haven't actually been in any of the Legion dungeons yet. I'm trying to, you know, upgrade my character enough so that he can actually survive longer than two minutes. I mean, as it is, I'm having a struggle even surviving in still the Draenor dungeons at level 110. So that tells you right there how bad my armor and weaponry is. I mean, it's speaking of weapons, onto the most powerful weapon in the galaxy, Florida's about to have their own Death Star. Spaceship Earth, that iconic sphere that's long been a symbol of Disney World's Epcot theme park, will turn to the dark side on December 5th. So in two days, celebrate the upcoming release of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. The structure will be transformed into the Death Star through digital projections during an invitation only after hours event that filled up shortly after the announcement was made Friday on the Disney Parks blog. Now, uh, don't worry if you didn't make the list. It will be streamed live on the blog for fans to enjoy around the world. So now some Star Wars announcements may also come out of the event as Disney did tease that it will be quote sharing updates on current and upcoming Star Wars experiences at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, as many people know, Star Wars themed lanes are under construction at Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California, and here in my home state of Florida in Walt Disney World Resort, no opening dates have been revealed. Directed by Gareth Edwards, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, follows a group of freedom fighters who undertake a dangerous mission to steal the design plans for the Death Star. Opening December 15th in the UK, December 16th in the US, the film stars Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, Ben Mendelsohn, Donnie Yen, awesome, Mads Mikkelsen, Alan Tudyk, Zhang Wen, Riz Ahmed, and Forrest Whitaker. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. I, I think it's going to be just Awesome. Well, guys, that'll basically do it for the show tonight. Nobody was brave enough to call in. What a surprise. Stay tuned. I normally broadcast the show live, simulcast, Saturday evenings at 8.30 p.m., both on blogtalkradio.com slash thegraveyardshift and bidchat.com slash graveyardshift. You can keep tabs on or just stay updated with me and my many goings-on on my Facebook page, Emilio Diaz, or on Twitter, uh, Emmy Shift Show. So until then, until next week or whenever it will be, uh, I see you guys later. Have a safe weekend, and um, you know, keep stay weird out there, guys. This is Emmy from the Graveyard Shift, and uh, I am punching out peace. You feel that universe? That satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of The Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash The Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed. Hashtag 
Emmy Shift Show. To stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching out.